0: give Rachel a hand. Don't you do a good job of that stuff? Yeah. 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 Hey, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I, uh, I'm Chuck and they let me be the pastor here and I still can't imagine why, but it's very awesome. And so did you guys not hear that, um, people aren't coming back to church after COVID? I mean, look at y'all. You just packed the joint out today. That's pretty cool. Way to go. I'm so glad you're here. You know, I, uh, I, I grew up in a, uh, like a hardcore Southern Baptist church and So I had no idea what the two words put together meant, Holy Week. Like, uh, So when I was a little boy living in Rhode Island and then in Daytona Beach, I had so many Catholic buddies. So they would say during Holy Week, they were going to Mass. So when I'm in Rhode Island, I thought, well, why are they going to Boston? (laughs) You know, it's like I had no clue. little Southern Baptist kid in Rhode Island, what does he know, right? So then uh, I, I I can remember asking my dad, what's the deal with Holy Week? And he said, son, that's for the Catholics. And I thought, man, they're pretty lucky. They get like a whole week out of this deal. We get Easter, man. What in the world? So the very first Good Friday service I ever attended, I preached. And then I realized this is the coolest thing ever. So then I thought, well, what about Maundy Thursday? Let's do communion. I thought, how cool is that? So, then you got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Which, let's just make a week of it. So if you're like me and you grew up in a space where Holy Week wasn't a thing, welcome home because we're going to do it upright around here, man. I mean, there's so many reasons to celebrate Holy Week. I mean, it's Easter week, for goodness sake. Like this morning, like Zach said, Jesus rides in on a colt, Hosanna, Hosanna, things are cool. 24 hours later, think like he curses a fig tree, turns over the tables in the temple, and the week just really gets funky right after that, right? And then by Wednesday, it's like Silent Wednesday. You know, it's, I love the Wednesday is like, okay, can you imagine what the disciples are talking to Jesus about on Wednesday? It's like, what kind of cool stuff are we gonna to do today? And Jesus is like, we're gonna hang out. Yeah, but we're gonna heal people. We're going are you gonna get mad at the like the religious people today? What are we gonna do? Then we're just gonna hang out, you know? And then Thursday, Monday Thursday comes together, they get in the upper room and they're having this dinner, and he says, You know, one of y'all are gonna deny me three times, and after that, a rooster's gonna crow. And Peter's like, Not me. Because <laughs> you know, Peter's like Peter, he's so full of bluster, man. He's like I mean, like, oh man, you know? I mean, like, truly, he just threw four cornhole bags in the hole and it was like, boom, you know? So Peter's like, no, 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 I would never do that, you know? And then shortly thereafter, Peter is in the courtyard in Caiaphas's home. So Caiaphas is the high priest. After Jesus is arrested, they bring him to Caiaphas. And out in front of his house is his courtyard. Now, I've, I've been there a bunch of times, and the courtyard is not much bigger than the center section of chairs right here. So it'd be pretty easy to see and hear what's going on. And so uh, this little servant's girl comes to Peter and says, you're one of those guys who following Jesus. And he says, no, uh-uh, not me. Then another servant girl says, I can tell you're from Galilee. You're with him because of your accent. No, not me. And then the third person says, I know that you were with Jesus. And he says, I didn't even know the man. Right? And it's like Jesus's eyes catch Peter's. And the Bible says Peter goes off and he's in deep shame and regret and that is why we're in this teaching series called the road to redemption because Peter like me and you have a desperate need to be redeemed right but this holy week I think it's worthy of asking what's so holy about the week I mean we get Easter right the resurrection of Jesus single greatest thing that ever happened in humankind but from now to then why holy week well think about this Easter. Let's just, for the for the sake of our humanity, let's call it a holiday, okay? Because we kind of all understand that term. I it, fe- I it feels mildly just disingenuous to call Easter a holiday. You know what I mean? But, but between now and then, remember we're working toward that. So everything that happens—Jesus riding in in the colt, turning over the money in the church. Praying, praying and teaching about the second coming, then having Silent Wednesday, then having the Lord's Supper with the, with the disciples, and then Good Friday comes and Jesus gives his life, then Holy Saturday where he lays dead in the grave, and then Sunday when he rises from the dead. What is it about all that that makes everything such a wonderful thing for us to literally celebrate? And that is this, in every other holiday that we celebrate in the world, we celebrate somebody's death, Or somebody's birthday, or we celebrate something about a season, or like the independence of a country, or something of that nature. This is the only time in which we celebrate, because no other celebration in the world can celebrate the raising of the dead that we celebrate in Christ Jesus this week. Think about it. The only time we ever celebrate someone who beat death is Easter. I mean, that is better than ham deviled eggs, Easter egg hunts, and possibly even the Reese's peanut butter egg. Because when you put it all together, you think to yourself, now that's that's pretty awesome. Jesus' death, his resurrection, bringing forgiveness for our denial, just like Peter's. Like the story of Peter from last week's teaching, we deny Jesus often. And sometimes we're we're bold like Peter's like no I would never do that because we leave here on Sunday and it's like I'm living for Jesus this week and by Tuesday in the first meeting where things go south all of a sudden we're Peter and ur, 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 ur. aren't you glad a rooster doesn't crow every time you deny Jesus <laughs> like can you imagine when you're at the DMV I mean who does anybody work at the DMV here today anybody I want to make sure I'm an equal opportunity offender Okay, so very good. So we're just going to bash them today. So, so you go to the DMV and nobody wants to be there, right? You go to the first window and she says, "No, you need to go to that window." Okay, well bless the Lord. So I wait and I get a new number and I go to that window and she says, "Then you don't have the right form. You need to go back to the table, get another form, and go to that window." And now it's not bless the Lord. It's like I'm thinking about murder. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine how many times we would have to have farmers take care of the roosters at the DMV, right? So, But I bet it happens on your job site and possibly in your home this morning, getting your children to church. I, but by the way, it's, it's one of the top 10 sinful areas in every Christian's life is when you have children that are between third grade and 12th grade, and you're trying to actually get them to church on Sunday. Because... Think about this. You want for everybody to get dressed, get ready, be happy, have a fun breakfast, get in the minivan, and then listen to Jesus' music on the way to church, even though you haven't listened to it all week, but listen to it on the way to church, and on the way, your kid throws up. And it's like, it's Holy Week, and you're puking your guts up. You are killing me, right? And then everything goes, anyway, you get the picture. We always have a place in which the rooster could crow in our life. I know I do in mine. I mean, if if we were to start ranking sinners in the life of Sugar Hill Church and posting them on the electric sign, would that not be fun? (laughs) Can you imagine the social media stuff we would get on that? You know the problem would be? I would be number one. (laughs) I'd be wow, their pastor is the worst guy in their church. That's amazing. Yeah. And then many of you would say, well, yeah, I've known him for 10 years, of course. (laughs) But but Peter denies Jesus in such a public way. And In that public way, imagine what Twitter would have done with that in our modern day. I mean, he would have been across headlines everywhere. Jesus, one of the preeminent followers of Jesus, denies him publicly three times. I made me splashed across the New York Post. They'd have a picture of Peter going, you know, and it would just be crazy. You know, they had their own version of social media at the time then. I mean, in the church, we call it a prayer meeting, but in real life, we call it gossip. And they they had that going on. And I can't imagine how Peter must have thought. I mean, there he was denying Jesus. So I had to look up redemption, trying to figure out this road to redemption. What is redemption? And redemption would say in Merriam-Webster, the act, the process, or an instance of redeeming, which helped me not at all. So then I had to go to the next one, which was what is redeeming, which is serving to offset or compensate for a defect. All right, now watch this. The reason why we need to be redeemed is because within our life is a defect. And the defect is that we are not perfect and God is. Right? You got that? Because if I did a poll today and said, how many of you are perfect? Somebody in this room would say, I'm I'm pretty perfect. And I would say, well, you just blew it because you had no humility. Right? So all of us are imperfect, like radically imperfect. And in our imperfection, we basically deny Jesus Jesus calls us to walk with him. Can you imagine walking with Jesus and all of a sudden maybe something slips out of your your tongue that's kind of in your natural voice and what do you say? Oh, Jesus, sorry about that. I mean, I get that all the time. I'm a pastor and somebody drops an F-bomb in a conversation. It's like, pastor, no offense. And I'm like, well, it's already out there, bro. You know, but in the midst of this denial, we need the process of being redeemed. Because the defect is that God is perfect, we are not, that creates a chasm between us and God. That means we cannot have a right relationship with God because we're just imperfect. Now, I know a lot of preachers would take this time to tell you how bad you are. But let me just say, my guess is y'all are pretty cool people, right? We just all have this human defect. And this human defect inside of us is the fact that we're just not perfect. And in our imperfection, like Peter, we tend to deny Jesus. Sometimes our denial is public like his. Oftentimes it's omission where we just keep it quiet. But then we love to bark at somebody who's was public. And I would just encourage you as followers of Jesus, stop that. Because honestly, give yourself a microphone all week long and you deny him publicly too. So stop bashing everybody else. I mean, I, I think the world would just be a much better place if Christians started stopped beating up other Christians, and Christians stopped casting so much dispersion on so many people, and just tried to live more like Christ. And the world would just be a better place. And you say, yeah, well Chuck, somebody's got to point out what's wrong. Well, I'll promise you, there's plenty of people doing that. The world doesn't need more help with that. You know what I've noticed? The whole world can tell me what's wrong with the world, but only Jesus can tell me how to fix me. And that's true for you. And so Peter needs to deal with his own junk here. Peter's got to wrestle with this. But no sooner than Peter's last of the three denials in, the, in, the, in, in Caiaphas' courtyard, you hear the rooster. I mean, where would Peter go? What, what, how would he return to Jesus? I mean, he must be thinking, well, Jesus is going to bust me for good, man. I'm out of the picture. But now, before this happens, before Jesus is arrested, and before Jesus is in Caiaphas' courtyard, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, it's not much bigger than about half of this room. And so Jesus goes off to pray. And in that prayer, he asks God, is there any other way? Could you take this cup from me? Is there any other way but me? And, of course, God the Father says to Jesus three different times, you're the way, you're the way, you're the way. And Jesus, different than Peter, obeys God the Father. Jesus takes on his role and in doing so provides redemption for all of us, not just Peter, but for all of us. And in the midst of that, Peter he says, "I don't know him three times." Jesus says, "I know you, Father, and I obey you," three times. And you look at this and think, "Well, this is the difference between us," because three becomes a focus again in today's teaching. Following Jesus's death and burial, Peter is gathered back with his other disciples. That so we'll read in John twenty-one in just a second. Now there's eleven of them, not twelve, because we know you know Judas; he's gone. And they're frightened, they're shaken, and they're distraught. And upon Jesus' resurrection, the women go to the tomb to anoint the body. And as the women go, the men are hiding behind locked doors, which sounds a lot of how we get church work done around here, right? Men hide, they hide their faith, and they hide behind this one big thing, but I got to work okay i'm good with that i got to work too but i would also say that jesus said as you go into the workplace take me with you meanwhile the women come and do all the stuff i mean 90 percent of what literally happens in mission and ministry in the life of this church women are doing it and guys are like well you know chuck that's not fair oh yeah it's not fair it's just a stat it, it ought to waken some of us men up to say wait a minute i want to be used by the lord to do something great too But can you imagine Peter, he's like, what do I do? He gets with the other disciples, they're scared to death. The angel of the Lord comes out to the women at the tomb and says, he's not here, he has risen. They peek inside, they're scared to death. And the angel of the Lord said, you're right, he's not here, he has risen. Now go tell the disciples that he is alive. But the, the angel of the Lord doesn't stop there. The angel of the Lord says, go tell the disciples and Peter that he's not here. Now you might say, well, Chuck, what's the big deal? Now watch this. Every time we deny Jesus, he never writes us off and he puts us back into his redemption. Like, so I mess up today and you can almost in the back of your spiritual mind hear Jesus saying, go tell Sugar Hill that I'm alive and remind Chuck too. Are you with me? And so think about this. No matter what you've done, where you've been, what you've thought or how you have been or what, all, whatever you're into... Jesus is saying, I want to remind you on this Palm Sunday that I wrote into Hosanna to redeem you by your name. Because Jesus isn't done with Peter, and listen to me, he's not done with you. He's not anywhere near done with you. He has an extraordinary plan for you that includes heaven, but he just says, Will you say to me, Yes. I will. You say, well, where's Jesus now? I mean, kind of like Peter. Well, where's Jesus when I need him? Because he doesn't seem to work on my watch. Well, watch this. Jesus doesn't work on a clock, y'all. He works on hearts. And so Jesus may not be meeting your timeline, but I'll promise you he's calling you to meet his. And his timeline always says, when you put me in the right priority of your life, Watch and see all the things that will go right. Amen. But you get to make that choice. Jesus isn't going to beat you over the head and make you do it. Matter of fact, th- there's not a preacher alive that can scream you into heaven. There's not a preacher alive that can guilt you into heaven. There is nothing about what I'm sharing with you that ought to lay one ounce of guilt on you. But it should cause you to stop and ask yourself this question Am I on the road to redemption? Am I on my way to doing what happened to Peter? Because when we pick up at the road to redemption, we pick up in John chapter 21, beginning in verse 2. So if you have a Bible, you have a device with a Bible on it, or you can welcome to watch along on the screens. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there, Simon, Peter, Thomas, Nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Which, by the way, you got seven disciples out there. Don't you know they're saying, where's the other four? Like, what's going on with them? What's the deal? I mean, that's what I would ask. Like, you ever, like if you're sitting next to an empty chair, raise your hand. If you're sitting next to an empty chair. You know the question you might want to ask yourself? Where are they? Like, did, are they just off fishing somewhere else? You know? So, here they go. And uh, it says in verse 3, Simon Peter, Peter said, I'm going fishing. Now, you know, I always imagined Simon Peter to be kind of this big, like, man's man kind of R, me kill, bare feet family kind of guy, you know. And I, I think he was. I, I mean, I think he was the kind of dude I'd want to hang out with, right? And he says, I'm going fishing. And they say, we'll come too, they all said. So they went out on, and he, listen to this word, the boat. Now, it didn't say they went to a boat. They went to the boat. This is the boat that they were using prior to Jesus coming on the scene and then walking away from the boats to go follow him. So they go back to what they knew. They go back to what they were familiar with. They go back to what they feel like they can control because right now their life is spinning out of control. What happened to Jesus? Where is he at? We've seen him twice already alive, but what's going on? I mean, this is scary times. Let's just go back to fishing to what we do. So they go to the boat, Right? And I love this. So they went out on the boat, but they caught nothing all night. Y'all ever been fishing and you caught nothing? I mean, it's like the walk of shame when you come in. Hey, how was it? It was so much fun. I just enjoyed being out on the water. <laughs> What'd you catch? Bad question. No- nothing. And then I always get this look. When you catch nothing, this is what you get. Really? Really? I was like, yeah, it wasn't from lack of trying, but no, I didn't catch anything. These guys are out all night long, they catch zippity-doo-dah. Now, they, they were professional fishermen on the Sea of Galilee, fishing at night, knowing you fish, a, you catch a ton of little fish that you can sell to all economic classes when you get back. They caught nothing in their nets, all right? Now, listen. Verse 4, at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. Now, the reason is is he was about 100 yards or so away standing on the shore. Now, if I weren't wearing my glasses, I wouldn't even know it was a person, right? But even when my glasses a 100 yards away, I may not know who they are, right? And so they're looking and they see a person, and this is what happens. They don't know that it's Jesus. And he says, hey, fellas, have you caught any fish? I mean, it, they're in the boat with nothing, right? I mean, the nets are down. They got zippity doo And Jesus, by the way, the original term in the Aramaic here isn't fellas, it's children. Hey, children of mine, hey boys, you got anything? And listen to what their answer is, no. I mean, that's pretty simple, right? I mean, it wasn't like, no, but we're trying. No, but, I mean, we just need a little different bait. No, our nets must be a little brittle. Just no. And then Jesus says in verse 6, throw out your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll get some. Okay, now, if you're a fisherman, at that moment, you want to hit that person. Right? It's because I've been fishing all night, and you just want me to throw it on the other side. Are you smoking a hymnal? I mean, come on. What is the deal? So, naturally, they do because they're hungry. They, they do it. It says, so they did, and they couldn't call, haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Now, you know, this is a real cool picture. It's, it's a cool picture of us and Jesus. So they know what to do. Several of them are professional fishermen before they left to follow Jesus. They know how to fish. They know where to fish. All of this area in Tiberias is new to them. They've left and gone back to their old stomping grounds in Tiberias. They've left and gone back to their old profession. And they're doing what they know to do because they're going to get control of their life. You know what I've discovered in every Christian's life? That when things go south, we all turn into control freaks. I'm going to take it and I'm, I'm going to handle it. I'm going to, you swatch, I'm going to fix this. Because that's what we, we, we think we can do that, right? And so off we go trying to do our own thing. And then Jesus is saying, yo, just put the net on the other side. And, and they're thinking to themselves, what does this guy know? I mean, seriously, we don't even know who it is. They could have just said no, because that's what we would do. But no, it can't be that simple. You get, it's not as easy as just trusting Jesus, I mean, there's got to be stuff you gotta we got to do. We need a list of stuff. We got to earn our way here. I mean, we, we need a list that says I got to go on mission trips. I got to give. I got to walk an aisle. I got to be baptized. I got to dress a certain way. I got to agree to whatever version of the Bible it is. I got to read Jesus' calling, even though he's called and wants his church back. I got to do all this other stuff. And Jesus says, no, you just, just drop your nets on the other side. It's that simple. Just call on my name. Just trust me. So they they do. They they drop it on the other side. And then it says in verse 7, or back in verse 6, it says, so they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. I mean, come on. I mean, wouldn't you be a believer right then? But remember, these are the same guys who walked with Jesus for three years, saw him healing people, teaching, saw him bring Lazarus back from the dead just about a week before this. And they're like, oh, yeah, okay, sure, we'll just throw the nets on. Now we got more fish than we can count. We got more fish than we know what to do with. And then Peter hears from John. Now, John's the logical one in the boat. John is the, like, like John is everything I'm not. He, I mean, he's logical, he's calm, he's got it all under control. I mean, his britches are always washed and pressed. I mean, he probably dry cleans his underdrawers, right? I mean, this guy is wired up. Peter, on the other hand... I mean, he's just ready, fire, aim. He's just out there going, I like Peter better, you know? So Peter hears John. When John says, matter of fact, the scriptures say it's the disciple Jesus loved. Speaking of John, says to Peter, it's the Lord. Now, can you imagine that? I mean, John probably doesn't say, yo, Peter, you know what? I think that might be Jesus. That's a possibility. But see, that's how we would do Jesus, You know, that might be Jesus speaking to me here now. I don't know. But, you know, I don't want to over-spiritualize it. You know, it might might be Jesus. It's like we come to church and it's like John says to us out of his scriptures, but it's the Lord. Like, can you imagine how how John says to Peter? I mean, there's no possible way he looks at him and says, yeah, it might be him, you know. Bless God, but he's always asking for money. Uh, You know, he always goes long. Music's too loud. Some of those hyper people get their hands in the air. It's a little weird. Bless God. But you know what? John, he's just like, it's Jesus. By the way, that that ought to test our heart about why why we came here today. I mean, we tell the worship team every single week, you are not worship leaders. You did not come here to lead us in worship. You came here to worship. By the way, you didn't come here to learn something. By the way, you've heard me enough to know that I can't preach a lick. And yet, you're here to worship him. You are not here to hear something that's gonna get you fired up, not to sing something that you love. You came here today because in your heart, you know deep down that what you were built to do was to worship and praise Jesus the Lord. Amen. The problem is, most of us American Christians have overthought it so much that we say in our head, but I don't want to over-spiritualize this. And you know what I'd say to you? Bless God, over-spiritualize all you want because he is waiting for you to say, yes, I will. But we've come to say, make me happy. Ouch. Peter hears this news and does a typical Simon Peter deal. He heard that it was lord he put his put on his tunic for he'd stripped down for work so basically out in the warm weather in the human air i mean he's got his shirt off i mean he's probably down to his drawers and john says jesus is here so typical peter he gets dressed to jump into the water right so he, he puts his britches on and he jumps into the water and heads to the shore and the other stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore for they were only a hundred yards from shore and when they got there they found breakfast waiting for them fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread so here's one more time just like Jesus fed the five thousand they show up they have nothing there but Jesus is already there with provision for them fish bread on a fire ready to sit down on a beach meet with all of our buddies and Jesus is here. The world's going to be right again. Have you ever had breakfast on the beach? It will just bless your situation, right? I mean, the sun's coming up and you can hear the water rolling in. I mean, there's the seagulls, you know, it's just, there's nothing like it. And so here's Jesus and there they are. And I mean, can you imagine Peter, what do I say to Jesus now? I mean, what do I do? I've blown it so bad. What do I do? How do I deal with this? He's going to bust me so bad. I mean, but I've earned it. So I'm going to take my beating like a man and let's do this. So the scripture goes on. And Jesus says in verse 10, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. And it says specifically in the scripture, there were 153 large fish and yet the net hadn't torn. Now, remember, this net was built to catch small fish. Okay, you say, well, why would John, why would the Spirit of God have John make a point of 153 fish? Are you ready? I mean, I didn't know this until this week. I just blew my mind. Did you know at the known time in that world, did you know how many species of fish were actually known by the people on the planet in the first century? One. 153 and you say well that's just a coincidence well you're crazy i mean think about this Jesus is showing them and us that he had control, not over drop them on the other side and you'll get the blessing. But when you get here, I'm going to show you I have control over all of nature, including you. And if you'll put me in the right priority of your life, I will fill your nets and it will blow your mind. And Jesus is saying to me and you today as he knocks on the door of our heart, that's what I'm telling you. But it gets better. Jesus is like, come on, have some breakfast. And none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Now remember, they knew him to be dead. They knew him to be gone. They, They had gotten word that he was there. He had shown up in their room, and yet they're still thinking, dead people don't come back to life, but I am seeing him right now, and he is eating fish and bread by a fire on the beach with me. Get out of here right? So the scripture says they knew it was the Lord. And then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. And this was the third time Jesus has appeared to his disciples since he'd been raised from the dead. And after breakfast, Jesus walks over to Simon Peter. And here's what he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, why the question? Who are the these? Like, do you more love me more than what? Do you love me more than the other disciples? Do you love me more than the fish? Do you love me more than the boat? do you love me more than your old profession? What is it that you do? Because Jesus is not saying just do you love me, but do you trust me more than these? Including Peter, do you trust me more than you trust you? But he never says this, hey Peter, you totally blew it. Not one time does Jesus say, you know what Peter, I am gonna, I'm going to make you pay for that one. Not one time does Jesus break that out at all. He brings no condemnation. John three seventeen says Jesus didn't come into this world to condemn the world, but to save it. <clears throat> this is perfect picture of what's happening with Peter. He says to Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? And the answer to the these are, do you love me more than anything else in your world? Have you ever heard in the Old Testament that our God is a jealous God? You ever heard that? We we just don't like how that sounds. Because as humans, we equate envy and jealousy is the same thing. But they're two radically different emotions. Jealousy is what God's speaking about. Envy is what we typically feel. Now, envy is something, is something kind of like this. Valerie has something. I wish I had it. Therefore, I wish Valerie didn't have it since I can't have it. That's envy. But we never say that. It's like you don't see somebody post a picture while they're on the beach and you are back in 38 degree night Georgia, and you don't look at that and say, oh, I'm so envious of you, because that sounds sinister, doesn't it? Therefore, we had people who decide to say it like this, I'm jelly. I don't know who came up with that, but they should be beaten. I mean, serious, I'm so jelly. I mean, i am never put that on my social media. That, that is a quick, I'm unfriending you, like, no, you're not jelly. You see, envy can feel malicious. Jealousy involves three things, and that is this. It involves you. It involves something else. And it involves somebody who doesn't want to lose you to something else. Jesus is jealous with Peter, saying, I want you to love the fact that you have the fish. I want you to love the fact That your your boys are here with you. I want you to love the fact that we're on the beach. But I want you to love me more. Because when you get me in the right order of your life, you're going to find it so much easier to say, yes, I will. Like it's Nobody's here to beat y'all up today, I promise you. The person that needs beat up in this sermon is me, not you. But let me tell you something. God's already beat me up with this sermon. You know what I came out with? that the only way I can stop feeling beat up is to let Jesus in the right priority of my life and feel redeemed and be on that road to redemption and reach up and hold his hand. Because Jesus says, do you love me, Peter? And he says, yes, Lord. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, Lord. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, Lord. You know I love you. And three times the Lord says, well, then why don't you do this? Go go feed my sheep, go care for my sheep, and then go tend my sheep. You say, well, what's the deal with three times i mean peter the last time is like lord you know it what is the deal because he's already forgotten that he blew it three times and jesus comes back to match his three times to ensure that he knows he's been redeemed three times to be able to say peter that first denial off the hook second denial off the hook third denial off the hook You say you love me, so go tell people about me. Go show people how they can walk with me and trust me. And then go love people the way you say you love God and others. And this is how we're going to do the work. Jesus takes the great commission and assigns it inside of Peter's life by saying, we're going to build a church. And Peter, you're going to be the person that that launches it. And I'm going to take you from you totally messed up to I'm going to take you all the way to let's build this church on you. But then the story goes on. Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you, then take care of my sheep. You see, on the one hand, Jesus is saying, tell the world about me, evangelism. Go teach them about me, discipleship. But go love them, that's service. So when people ask me, why is is Sugar Hill a, a Jesus is enough kind of church? Because what I know is this no denomination can redeem you. No no church can redeem you. No no Bible or devotional can redeem you. But Jesus can. I want to get on that road, I want to be on the road with Him. I want to be right with him because when he is in the right priority in my life because I chose to love him and honor him and obey him, he never once looks at me and says, but Chuck, you totally messed it up. Chuck, you're a total mess up. Chuck, you just totally blew me off. He never does that. He simply says, okay, come on. Let's walk together. Let's do this together. Let's love together. And friend, what I'd say to you is Jesus isn't done with you. And for every time that you've denied him, maybe even when you didn't know it, when you say, Jesus, I, I need your redemption, he doesn't beat you up. He simply says, here it is. I love you. You say, well, Chuck, there has to be a key. There has to be a punch list I got to do. There has to be, I mean, I, I got to do something, right? I mean, do I need to have a confession? Do I, What do I need here? Okay, it's real simple. I mean, the, the, the Bible calls it repentance. But what repentance really means is a change. So imagine this is your life and you're just going this way. I'm doing my own thing. I'm, I'm in the boat. I'm fishing the way I know to fish. I'm trying to control my life. I'm even trying to be a good person. I'm doing my thing. But here's what happens. We say, but, but Jesus, I'm sorry. I, I realize I need you to control my life. So watch what happens when we repent. It looks just like this. I'm going to stop living my way. And I'm going to live your way. You say, well, Chuck, that, that's it? What do I have to give up? Well, let me just stop and say, Jesus never asked you to give up deadly, except one thing. Give up your will and take on his. Because when you get the sense of redemption and forgiveness and glory and peace and contentment, that comes with the provision and the power of Jesus Christ in your life. You don't have to keep going in the boat and going back to what you know. You can count the fish, and you can walk in peace. You say, well, Chuck, I've tried that, and you know what? Just things don't go right for me. Well, now watch this. It's not like you say yes to, to Jesus one time, and then life is rosy. I mean, he even says that's not going to happen. I mean, we're we're sinful men and women living in a sinful world. So what do I do? So I'm gonna ask you this week, matter of fact, I'm gonna ask you to start right now, that you take a pause. I wrote a blog earlier this week about this, that I'm gonna ask you this week during Holy Week to take three pauses every day. Your pause might be 30 seconds, okay? I mean, I'm not asking for three hours, just take a pause, Set inside your phone, remind you to have three pauses each day in the morning, Let your pause be this, Jesus, I'm gonna trust you with everything I've got today. Yes, I will trust you. Second pause, midday. Jesus, things hadn't gone exactly like I planned, but I'm gonna love you today. Yes, I will, I will love you. Third pause, before you call it a day. Jesus, I wanna thank you that you did some cool stuff today. And Lord, there were some things just went weird today. So I'm, I'm gonna praise you f- for that because I don't even know why. But tomorrow, would you give me wisdom? Would you make me wise? Yes, I will, Jesus. I will, I will call on your name. You say, well, Chuck, I want redemption. And here's how it goes. Jesus, would you forgive me? Step into my life. I wanna make that change. I wanna live for you. I, I wanna thank you, you died for me. You were buried for me. You rose from the dead for me. And today you're sitting by God the Father praying for me by name right now. And I wanna thank you for that. And if that's the desire of your heart today, then just offer this prayer to the Lord Jesus. Yes, I will. Now we're gonna practice what Pastor Bobby did. And it, it we had that responsive reading. so. Here's what I want to say to you. If today you want to celebrate that as you head into Holy Week, you want to celebrate in your life, I'm I'm going to take these pauses and I'm going to get Jesus in the right priority of my life, then I want you to say, yes, I will. You ready? Yes, I will. Say it just a little louder. Yes, I will. My friend, that's what the road to redemption looks like. Father, we praise you. For fish and provision for breakfast on the beach for the power you have all over this universe and the forgiveness and the redeeming factor that you offer to us God let us say yes I will to you in the majesty and the might and the glory of Jesus the Lord we pray amen amen